0: And get that pre-order in, and you'll be able to get a free download of a meditation we created and a workbook that goes along with it. Much love and appreciation for your support. Much love. Thank you. Hello to you, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves Podcast. I hope that in whatever moment that you are finding this in your ear, it is a beautiful moment. And if you're feeling down, just know that I am thinking of you and my heart is with you in this. And if you're feeling good, same thing. You know, that's the beauty of this experience is that it's not, you know, when feelings are just good feelings that we relate to other people. I think it's in the pain, in the knowing of the breadth of this experience, the breadth of what it means to be human, the commonality. That it's when we don't have it figured out that we actually finally just surrender to that. We just, that we feel seen, that we feel normalized, that imperfection is the new cool. Who knew that was true, right? That just being imperfect is actually normal. And this idea of normalizing things or just normal being this bell curve of how you're supposed to be. Fuck how we're supposed to be. You know, what a curse of monotony that is. Instead of how do you want to be, who do you want to be, give the birth of all of you. You know, and we only think we're too much to hold when we are afraid to hold ourselves. And it's in this expression, this self-expression, this figuring it out, using the wrong words in the wrong order so we can find the right words in the right order. And I've said the wrong thing so many times, but that is what allowed me to figure out what the right thing is to say, and I don't always get it right. And you all offer me the grace of that expansion as I offer it to you, that none of us have this figured out. And that's the gift of knowing that you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to hold up your world alone. And you're not alone. You're not. And even in this moment, as you listen to this, look around you. We don't know the struggles that people are suffering. We don't. And the more compassion we can hold for ourselves, the more compassion we can hold for another. The more we can step into the space of our own hearts, the more space we can feel into another. I mean, not a real Ram Das kick lately. If you don't know him, he's a spiritual teacher. And he said that there is this moment where we are kind and kindness is an act to another, but kindness can also become righteous. And then there's this moment where we are compassionate. I'm compassionate to another. And then there's another step from I am compassionate to compassion is. Where, and what he means by that is, where we, it's not an act, it's a state. That your suffering becomes mine. That to cause you pain causes me pain. That to not respect you doesn't respect me. That I feel the impact on you as it has an impact on me. And vice versa. What a way to be in the world. It combines with another thing I read a long time ago that I just practiced. It was such an interesting practice to just bring into our awareness of intention of why we do what we do. And it was to just go throughout your day and look at everyone as if you were looking through the eyes of Christ or whoever you might understand or or feel as a prophet in your experience. Look at everybody in around you in your day as if you were looking through the eyes of Christ. What an opportunity, right? We might look with a little more compassion. We might look with a little more understanding and Remember that compassion and tolerance are two different things. You might not tolerate someone's behavior because you have standards, but you might have compassion for where their behavior come from, came from, which is totally different. So speaking of compassion and expansion and these other areas of which we must look at our lives, I love looking at our workplace, looking at purpose, looking at what we do with our lives and how we have a hard time finding what we want to do. And I've had the Absolute privilege of meeting this man, uh, not too long ago, about four months ago. I met I met Evan Shai, Instantly inspired by his heart, his passion, he runs a really successful startup. He's had a number of successful businesses, and it's how he lives his life. He shows up every day, and he's so in love with his life and constantly letting who he is evolve. And we had the most beautiful conversation. And so I don't want to hold you back from listening to that now. Without further ado, here is the guest this week, Heaven Shy. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Groves podcast. I think we're coming in a different flavor this week. You know, we normally focus a bit more on romantic relationships. We've hit the relationship to money I think I've only touched on relationship to business and purpose and those types of things uh, early on, and I've had the privilege and honor to be working with an app called High Tide. If you guys haven't done any of my book clubs, I mean, you know how they say there's the cool group and there's the not cool group. Uh, the book club is the cool. I <laughs> don't want to, you want to sit at the back of the bus or the front of the bus. Um, you know, didn't all the nerd? Yeah, I was a nerd. I sat at the front of the bus, so this is my opportunity. Um, so, I did this book club. I've been doing it a couple times. I got partnered, worked with this app called High Tide. Then I got to know the founder of the app, Evan. What's
1: up, Evan Shy? Mark, thank you so much for having me, man. Did Glad you like that intro? The cool group. Versus- it was uh, very interesting. It was hard not to uh, start laughing and ruin that intro <laughs> for you. <man. laughs>
0: Well, I don't know. Is that a Canadian thing where cool kids sat at the back of the bus? Oh, for sure. For was sure. that cool in yours too?
1: It was certainly uh, the cool kids are at the back of the bus. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, I wasn't sure if that was, that was here. just a Canadian thing. The Working with High Tide and getting to meet you has been, I mean, I think I can probably say for both of us that it's been sort of serendipitous in a lot of ways.
1: There's no doubt, man. There's no doubt. I think for for me... Not only the the partnership that I think we've been able to form and kind of the significance that that partnership can have, and I'm sure we'll unpack some of that as we're talking, but uh, the friendship that's been able to evolve out of that process, I think it it you know embodies uh, what I hope more business experiences can can be like for sure. So
0: yeah, I wanted to have Evan on here to talk about a number of things, his own journey and how that's brought him to where he is but also because in Evan and I's conversations about work, there has been such open transparency and truth. You know, There's just this real commitment to telling the truth and being honest with one another that comes ahead of uh, fear of how it might affect the other person, like all Absolutely. of those things. And I think that has, the reason I think for me at least that when I look back is like, why has that developed into a friendship? It's because I value so much friends who tell me the truth over the desire to be be liked by me, you know, that they put that love of honesty of like calling me to be greater ahead of needing me to be, you know, to be comfortable.
1: Yeah, for sure. We grew up programmed to, you know, kind of please people, right? We've talked before about, uh, you know, being kind of people pleasers, uh, you know, certainly uh, throughout our upbringing, but... I think in business and certainly what I've learned through the businesses that, you know, I've started and in interacting with different kinds of people and really relationships that exist anywhere in my life. You know, we have this kind of term inside our team, accelerate the path to truth. I think ultimately you're going to get to the truth at some point and don't pay a toll for the detour, you know, uh,
0: like we've that. all don't been pay there a toll for the detour because you
1: pay a toll. Of course, there is do. always mm-hmm. a price to a long cut. And there's no question. It, all of us have no shortage of examples and relationships. Yeah, I paid probably, a lot of tolls, actually. You know? That no tool we were
0: saying earlier. The more expensive, the less. It's like an investment in your pain to learn something.
1: I mean, my twenties, I spent paying tolls, essentially. <laughs> you know?
0: I feel like though that is what your teens and twenties are about is to is to pay tools that other people pay and then realize why the fuck am I paying these. Why are we doing it this way?
1: I think that's so I think that's an important point. I think there. you can't get it perfect every no. time, right? And a lot of times you don't even know necessarily what the truth is. But we have to prioritize seeking the truth over being right. You know what I mean? And yes. to the extent that the truth is not interesting, change what you're doing until it is. You know, like find if it's in a relationship and how many times have you – you know, had a first date or, uh, maybe a couple first dates and you are aware that your values and interests aren't exactly, you know, aligned, but yet you kind of press forward into the relationship. I think in business, especially we can grow so accustomed to kind of putting those, uh, that criteria
0: aside. Like the deeper values, the deeper purpose, the deeper mission. I mean, I was a pharmaceutical rep, so I've there's some tolls that, <laughs> I paid on that. that was a great path though, to, to know, like you have to know what, you, who you are not in sure. order to discover who you are. And there's no shame in taking a, a side route because that's how, you know, you took a side route. Yeah. hundred percent. But you know, it's interesting when you're like raised to be, which I, you know, our societies are really about designed to take a path that is, keeps everybody safe within the,
1: The detour, so
0: so to speak, you know, and and I think that's in how we're taught our spirituality, which we don't necessarily choose. We're born into, you know, you're not like, you know, you're five and you're like, Catholicism seems like, you know, like we are born in and then we don't we're not invited to question the belief systems, the what job we
1: should values. Right. Yeah.
0: And if we did, you know, and that I think that's what's interesting is our whole society and family structures
1: are generally designed to not talk about what's really happening. There's no doubt. I grew up in a household. My dad and uncle played professional football for the Cowboys and Bears. And then my uncle on my mom's side played professional baseball, all of whom owned successful businesses after playing ball. So success in our household was always very clearly defined, right, by a trophy or a nice house, so I just naturally followed suit, right? I mean, I played ball throughout high school, supposed to play in college, ended up getting you know, really hurt my back. So I just, rather than kind of doing the work at that point and kind of figuring out who I was, I just immediately switched to option B, which was starting another business, uh, my first business. So I was busy doing that throughout college, just building that business while you were in college. While I was in college, yeah. And, and we had different,
0: <laughs> I was at the bar
1: yeah, usually. You know, I did a little bit of that too, I can assure <laughs> you. But um, I just didn't sleep much, you know, and not much has changed there. But, you know, I graduated college then. And interestingly enough, you know, everyone's kind of patting me on the back. Family's proud. You're so successful at such a young age. Inside... I was absolutely empty, like miserable. i had built this kind of life for myself that wasn't for me. I hadn't spent any time actually thinking about what I wanted to do, you know. It was just this particularly miserable time in my life, you know. I was 22, 23 years old at the time. Uh, I had everything materially that I wanted, but just drove to work every day and drove home from work every day, dreading what my next experience would be like. And of course, my relationships reflected exactly the same thing. And it got to a point, fortunately for me, where I just kind of you know, had enough. And um, What was that moment? So, you know, as always, I, I could probably point to several moments, yeah. right? It's not always that, that clean, you know? You can feel the wheels coming off. But when did the wheels really... When I notice, so it's a picturesque kind of uh, experience, but fortunately I did some, I did some traveling and literally this is a real incident. I, I was on the beaches of Ipanema in Rio, Brazil with one of my best friends, a particularly thoughtful individual. And I remember that whole experience, that whole trip we just had so many good conversations about life and what we wanted out of life and, and all of that. And came to the realization that my life as it currently stood was not consistent with what I, you know, wanted. What you just out declared. Of yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, there and, and soon after I really vowed to walk away from the business that I was in, not even spend enough time to, you know, try and have some big exit I knew a change needed to happen immediately and I went about doing that. Right. So what was the business that you had? Yeah. So commercial, uh, development. So we worked with, you know, government contracts throughout the city of Chicago, building commercial office buildings and, uh, stuff with Navy and and all sorts of things. But, um, it, it wasn't my passion, right. It was a great business. Um, I had connections that kind of led me down that path. Right. Um, but it had nothing to do with passion, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So, any business that I was gonna launch into, I knew had to be tied to what I was passionate about, something I would actually do for free. And that was always, goes back to the athletic part, but I was always, you know, football and sports. So, I started a health and wellness business where we would, you know, brought on a bunch of coaches and trainers. We were training people throughout the city the of Chicago and immediately, I was obsessed with the whole experience. I mean, I was immersed in it, and so much so, to kind of everyone's dismay, I also entered into a graduate uh, degree, a PhD program, where I was doing research and teaching bioenergetics classes at the University of Illinois. It was—it sounds like a lot, but it was such a unique time where. I'd be taking muscle biopsies from study participants during the day, and then implementing those like findings in some way in the programming. In our that's clients. cool. It's like
0: real time because oh. usually it takes from research to uh, guideline changes. I mean, gosh, that's like a very slow moving ship. Anyone who's in academia it's or spatial. in the setting of guidelines. I mean, the Canadian food guidelines <laughs> are like still like bread is an essential. Same in America. Right. Yeah. And dairy. Dairy is an essential. You know, if you love both of those things, it's not like to say you're wrong. For sure. But the fact that these these systems move at such a glacial pace, but you're taking real time information and then using it to help transform people.
1: Exactly. That day. The yeah. Next day, It, it was uh, a cool. very, very rewarding experience, uh, as you can imagine, too. It just really helps you learn faster, too, because you're not just kind of absorbing this information, whether it's in the academic literature or in your study findings, but you're putting it into practice and learning about how it actually can be applied in the real world. Um, and that's what was it was that kind of transition that's particularly interesting for me.
0: How old were you at that time? Um,
1: so this was much later now. So we've kind of gone to maybe 25, 26. I was thinking like, like
0: much later. like. <laughs> so from 22, Rio, Beach. Yep. To when did you leave the business, 24-ish? Uh,
1: so almost immediately after Rio. It's like 23. I love like that. that because yeah. that's like where you learn something. And
0: that's been a, a rule of my life since I learned that I needed it as a rule which is as soon as I learn something, I have to change my life. Like that I will always live at the highest level of knowledge that I contain. Mm -hmm. And that as soon as I have a feeling that teaches me an awareness that something's incongruent, that it's about change. You can't, because I can't live in the knowledge of unrealized wisdom because then it becomes pain and it becomes suffering. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Because then I'm making what I call mistakes, but they're really now choices. And that's that like, alignment of as you were saying before that truth is you know it's hard for me to tell you what your truth. course is yeah. but i know what truth feels like which is peace calm even though it might create chaos internally there's a a sense of calmness even though i might have to have a hard conversation
1: for sure but i know
0: it's the path to the the bliss so to speak
1: amen and even before we know kind of like what cognitive dissonance is or we want to use any of these kind of you know phrases it, you can feel a sense of incongruency when you're living a life that is entirely inconsistent with how you want to be feeling every day and i think for some reason we've kind of adopted this way of doing things and this uh, normalcy especially when it comes to work decisions where you know we've sacrificed our personal goals to some kind of undefined place in the future. Uh, everyone calls like someday, you know. It's someday, uh, I'll get next week. Exactly, you know. It's always just perpetually, you know, someday from now. on.
0: yeah, destination chasing.
1: It's just that's never been okay with me. Um, you know, it's one thing to feel unfulfilled, to be unhappy, and be searching for answers to. To why, it's another thing to know why and to not do anything about it.
0: Oh, uh, that's I mean that's the that's the breaking out of the prison of the systemic not, nature of, of of the path you're supposed to take. Like you and I were talking before we started recording, and for me that was like at 27 realizing I was exactly where I was taught to be, wanted to be a good provider, make mm. good money, have a rational job, get married by 27 and 30, and I was like. I finally met the moment that I was taught to want and then I didn't want it, which was like a weird, it was, it was like all of a sudden the story I was told wasn't the story that I was actually wanting to have birth for me. And that's that sort of first moment of calling of like, Oh, but I was never, you know, I, not outwardly, you know, it's not like my parents said never question anything. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But societally we're taught not to question all this stuff. Like, what you believe what your path is why do we have to become providers and make a hundred thousand dollars you know like these roles
1: and it's disguised in a million different ways it's disguised as being realistic right it's disguised word is like such a it has such weight
0: to to anchor down a dream you know if someone comes to me and they're like i'm so excited for x and i'm like i mean let's be realistic there's already so many people doing that or there's
1: Ah, and that's the the advice that people give who anchor their own dreams. Of course, of course. I think even when you think about ambition, even so, people who are you know uh, thinking these big dreams and and have these big goals, even that can only cast a light on what we are already familiar with. And there's so much more out there. So it's like it's not only the kind of willingness to dream big and go after those, but also having the grace to be open to new opportunities, but you have to keep putting yourself out there to do that, you know, and certainly the way not to do that is by continuously being realistic and taking on the restrictions of other people.
0: As you were saying that, that, at 22 realizing where you were was not where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And it sometimes just takes a conversation or hearing this one or whatever it is, sure. a line in a book, a quote, right. Where all of a sudden the truth is revealed, you know, that idea that when the student's ready, the teacher arrives or when the oh, okay. yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then what I've realized recently is that sometimes the dream we had is not the dream we have. Okay. Like you get to the place where you think you got, or the dream gets taken away from you. And I really think when when you lose something, you place your worth in, you realize your worth doesn't live there. You know, and that's, that for me has been a, you know, as my relationship dissolved and, and uh, when came to close romantically, there was this realization that my worth never walked out the door with her because I learned that a long time ago. Um, but in the choosing of ending our relationship, I all of a sudden realized how much, when you, when you are sort of operating in ninety percent, you know, like we wanted to, I wanted to have kids and the timing, you know, all the different things. But the when you operate at ninety percent of what you actually want or fully want or fully dream, yes, then no longer if you like, I don't want to. The word "settle for" comes to me, but when you like allow only ninety percent you have this feeling within you that you sort of might come to, uh, you might create rationalizations of why that's okay, right? But then as soon as you do it in one area of your life, you can actually no longer identify what 100% is in any other area Mm. of your life because you've disconnected from 100% here. So we don't get to live in these silos of awareness, right? And for me, I all of a sudden just saw, and it's not like I was settling for her because she's a phenomenal woman. This is not to anything to do with her. This is about just like what we settle for within ourselves and our lives that all of a sudden I had this blasting of awareness of all of a sudden I was like, whoa, where else have I disconnected from this 10% of me? Yes. And then it was like, okay, what is 10% demand of me now? Oh shit. It demands hard conversations. It demands letting go of things that uh, feel heavy and that, bleh, that was a hard,
1: how, how did you get to a point to even be aware that you were doing that? that you were missing out on that 10% or you were being, you were only asking for, uh, or demanding 90% of your,
0: I noticed it in the subtle allowances of where I was, where our relationship was going. Okay. And it, this is all information that I'm sharing with people that I have the permission to share. From sure. Sure, sure. So just so people know, listening, I'm not violating any privacy here, but that the, The real awareness came from conversations of the beautiful uh, magnifying glass that she shone light on for me. You know, I I realized through her, I saw so many areas of myself and her feedback and, you know, the love that relationship can bring of being like, oh, where else are you playing small? Where else are... And I don't know for you when you stepped out of that job at twenty two and then stepped into this whole new world and then you're going back to school and you're studying these things it from knowing you, that has then shifted again right and then shifted again
1: yeah I think
0: <clears throat> the container maybe rather than the intention or why
1: yeah i think it' certainly evolved right, yeah. so once I kind of found that track where i was i was in yeah. my in my flow, in my in my space, if you will, things started to kind of unroll in, in front of me in a positive way. So, like
0: serendipity, serendipity. Exactly. Where all of a sudden someone's like, "Hey, want to do?" And you're like, "Where'd you come from?"
1: And naturally, right? Yeah. So, you know, one thing, one benefit certainly from starting, you know, multiple businesses. Uh, at very, there was a couple of businesses that happened between the development company and and High tech where we are now. Certainly. Good or bad is that you start to learn about what you, what doesn't work, right? What kind of products or work you don't want to do, what kind of people, clients, you know, partners don't you want to be Mm -hmm. with? And uh, I think that kind of falls within this category of just being more mindful as an entrepreneur. And I think most people will get there given enough opportunities to Uh, experience and be thoughtful and reflective on on trying to align those things. But I think getting there and kind of what you're describing and where I am now, independent of where that path ultimately goes, Mm -hmm. is that there is this this operating in a space where my relationships, my goals, my passion, my schedule, my priorities are aligned. They are congruent where I'm no longer making work decisions with some separate criteria by which I use to assess other things in my life, right? So when I'm thinking about people that we want to bring onto the team, do we genuinely enjoy spending time with these people? You know, do we trust them? You know, clients, partners, the same thing, right? So there's these, it's a different experience where there isn't this kind of work-life balance. There's just life. And I don't experience my life in these segmented silos of experience. If I go to work and I am miserable most of the day, or even just unfulfilled, and that happens day after day after day, to think that I leave the office and go see my partner at home, bring this joyous version of you. You know what I mean? Like it's just, I get how we got here, but we have to demand better from or more from ourselves uh, moving forward because we, it's just not intuitive anymore to think that we can actually segment our life that way, you know, that kind of experience.
0: Well, and to think that, you know, I've had the privilege of working with you and your high tide team and it is a family, you know, it's very much a family. And for me, as my own business grows too, it's interesting to want to develop a culture and be within a culture that you're now experiencing that in some way uh, is very reflective of you. Right. And, Whenever I've worked with companies on culture, I've always said if there's a disconnect or a separation between what you say matters to you and how you behave and what you choose, then you instantly will have dissonance within the culture because the culture, which much like families, is here's what we say is the truth and here's what the truth is. Whenever there's a space, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah. And then you wonder why you know, you're, you're not getting the success you want or anything like that. And that's why I feel like the work to lead or be or anything truth in relationship to of all kinds is that if you are not congruent with yourself with what you say your values are or what integrity is to you yep. then you not you cannot demand it from anyone else and you will just receive who you are you 100%.
1: know I think with business to the relationship any change we're hoping to see or drive in the world of course is going to start with The team internally and ultimately most importantly ourselves individually and there is this kind of natural rolling up into the change you want to see in the world so when we have you know we have things internally our operating principles uh, that are kind of these you know commandments inside the company every single one of those has to be something that i have absolutely ingrained uh, within myself and hold myself to that same standard So we're talking about things like one of our first ones is extreme ownership, right? And uh, all of this kind of rolls up into just this commitment for truth. But uh, extreme ownership, when, when you are able to truly operate from a place of owning everything in your world, meaning things that I had nothing to do with necessarily. Certainly from a leadership perspective, I did choose the people who were involved in that situation though and there's something to be learned from there so whether i'm talking about in my team at high tide or my relationship at home with ashley who you know now every conversation especially the hard ones start from me communicating my miscalculations what i could have learned and done differently from a particular uh instance and it's not about shielding other people from taking responsibility. It's about creating a space where it's expected, right? That you do it first that by I re- saying like, hey, here's what I noticed. Here's how
0: I contributed to this. 100%. Now let's jam.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's not even a, necessarily a now let's jam because then there's this kind of like implication that I only started this conversation and I'm certainly only yeah. admitting to my fault because I want you to admit to yours. It's not even about you. I just want you to hear what I learned from this experience and what I plan on doing differently because it's the only part of the situation that I can actually control. And I hope that by the example that I set, it inspires you or even liberates you to learn from the experience yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's such a, the modeling of the behavior invites the behavior, but if we create the expectation with the behavior, then now we're conditionally loving someone, we're conditionally behaving. Like I'm going to trick you with this move I'm going to pull Exactly. Know, yeah. as opposed to doing it. And that's that idea that, Hey, if I lay a boundary with you or I have a conversation with you, that's hard. If I do it expecting an outcome, then I'm, I'm addicted to the, to the outcome, not the process. Like. The victory is in the process, in the me expressing, not the you receiving my expression.
1: Amen. Yeah. Um, I I think so. Even that's kind of the, there are two parts. If I'm, you know, if I'm mentoring like other leaders or entrepreneurs or something mm -hmm. for extreme ownership, it's, it's one that as a leader, you literally own everything in the organization. When I mean own, I mean, it's your responsibility. Yeah. There's unhealthy components of that, too, you need to be careful of. But um,
0: like the over ownership, the sort of shadow side of that is the uh, dictator sort of management. For sure. For sure. Exactly.
1: It's more from like a learning experience perspective. Like I take
0: responsibility for everything. That's exactly right. That's exactly right.
1: Um, and the second piece is though, allowing other people to own the process, allowing your people to own mm-hmm. their own experiences and how they go about trying to achieve certain outcomes. That's not always a painless experience, but it's less painful than surrounding yourself and being supported by a team you prevented from learning. Right. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately, you know, we learn from the mistakes that we make and, 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 You're trying to bring these people together to achieve some collective vision. Your hope is that they're bringing their own perspectives and ideas to the equation that help propel that vision forward. Yeah, I I certainly am not in this because I think that my ideas are are always the best, nor is that even an interesting uh, proposition to me. Partly I've brought these people together, not only to achieve this, you know, bigger vision in the world, but just to learn from each other and create an environment that is intoxicating and is, you know, we all wake up excited to go to work in the morning and how are we going to end up, you know, growing ourselves and how can we check our ego and focus on, you know, embracing criticism and getting feedback and, you know, allowing ourselves to grow in all sorts of unique ways. So. In that sense, we all win every single day, independent of what the business outcome ultimately is.
0: That's beautiful to put the personal experience. because if the personal experience is that, the business experience follows that. It's such a it's so simple, and it's so interesting that so many businesses, especially old business like businesses that have been around for a long time, that still are like, hey, I need you to be in the office from this time to this time. And I know that I was reading some research just recently that a shorter work week is actually more efficient or people working from home too. There's data now looking at that. Sure. And that's, again, not shocking. We're not necessarily as efficient in our workplace. It's not to say that we shouldn't go into workplaces or anything like that, but that there's a a lack of willingness to change the model at like businesses that are really old or very structured, For you sure. know? Yeah. And in that inability to be flexible, they're going to lose this new generation of employees that are like, we're about passion and purpose and being connected to what we love.
1: There are better ways of, of operating. I think with, with a lot of organizations, as you pointed out, they get stuck in this kind of, you know, way of doing things again, Right. Uh, you know, friends need to be called colleagues, and goals can only be expressed in KPIs. I think, you know, key performance indexes. That's yeah. like the death of everybody. You know, and and hey, there's value in data. Exactly, there's value in data. Absolutely, and we're pretty clear about goals and yeah. stuff like that, right? Um, but the freedom in how you go about hitting those goals is a complete open book, right? Yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a blank slate, and not for some people that's not the kind of you know, uh uh free-flowing, you know, freedom that uh that they necessarily like. Maybe they like a little bit more structure. And that's okay. Yeah, of course. This team and this organization might not be, you know, the perfect situation for you. But for me, it's it's kind of comes back to how I myself experience work and, and how I feel that I perform best. And it's from a place of of ownership of not only the the business and again the outcome but how i go about achieving those outcomes and i want to do my best to create a similar opportunity for everyone in our organization when you you've interact with our team at this point uh quite a bit and it'd be hard to say that everyone isn't operating as owners of high tide and that that is fundamentally true for me mm-hmm. um, because to me, their goals and their vision for what High Tide ultimately, you know, could and should be, is just as important as what my vision is for it. Fortunately, they're entirely aligned uh, at this point.
0: I love that because they can see it from within it too. And and of course, we are the we're the sum of our parts. Exactly. And and truthfully, in business, you know, I made sure that on my team, I hire people who are really good at what I'm not good at. And knowing that I that like, real detail orientation, I'm sure they're listening right now. So <laughs> that's not your strength. That's definitely not your strength. But these people also tell me the truth. I have, like, such a wonderful team of just people who tell me the truth. Yeah. And our, I have been very explicit about saying, I don't care what you want to bring forward. You're always safe to bring it forward. Like, always. I promise that I will always receive what you have to say with love. And I have lived that, like I've lived that fully because it was so important to me that the culture had this and continues to have this, no triangulation, no like back talk, no, like if you have an issue, just let's just talk about it. And that's so different than families, you know, and again, businesses, you know, where we, where you were saying before about the priorities of the business, if, if they are profit. Well, that's going to come at other costs. Sure. It doesn't mean that a business shouldn't be profitable. It's not to villainize profitability. Sure. Because of course, do you pay people's salaries exactly. so people can have lives. But it's about, are you willing to compromise quality of whatever quality means? Interaction, human resources, love. Are you willing to be dishonest, step out of integrity to make more money rather than take a lower margin? And just achieve alignment in your work. And that, that to me is so important. That's more important to me than anything is that we're aligned and that, you know, it's like if someone doesn't like a course they did or something like that, I would say to my, my team, choose from your heart what feels right. Like you don't need to spend two hours discussing and thinking like, just don't, don't use that time for that. Like just use your
1: own discretion. You're your own leader. You don't need to come to me to ask these types of questions. Exactly. So we have two principles for that: uh, leading up the chain of command and decentralizing command. <clears throat> I think both are important, not only to empower the people on your team, exactly like you're saying, but you are bringing on people that are capable, right? You like That's the a idea, fairy, right? You, exactly. you should. And But also, you as the entrepreneur and the leader. Not only is it pragmatic to do that, but just think about the mental state you would be creating for yourself if every decision has to go through you. I couldn't right? even, I, I would be paralyzed. But so many entrepreneurs, certainly that I, you know, have worked with in the past, I mean, really do that ultimately. Everything goes through them as this kind of conduit. Such a
0: scarcity. It if is. you're led by that level of fear and scarcity that someone will make the wrong decision, look- I already know they're going to make decisions that might be a mistake, but I love that. Like what a beautiful thing to, you know, it's like, but it costs the business this, who cares you learned and we're going to learn from it. And then we're going to grow and change. And I learned because you learned because I might not have known there was a gap in a, in a system mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, it's when people feel safe to be themselves and feel safe to be human and make mistakes those to me are like the cornerstones of not only a beautiful, healthy relationship, but
1: a business, a workplace. That's when they perform the best, you know. I think, you know, there are pressure and deadlines, and those things certainly can um, uh, inspire effective work. So long as it's a collective feeling that we're all trying to achieve this mission together. Yeah. But I think, uh, as a general rule, when people feel comfortable they feel safe to express themselves and express their ideas and give the boss feedback if you will uh i think that's a a healthy enriching type of environment to work in for sure i think that's when the best work actually comes forth
0: well i even have a
1: hard time using the word employee yeah like my employee i'm
0: like oh it's like they're my team they're my people they're like same i it's very hard for me to say it because it 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 implies a hierarchy, and that automatically sort of makes me feel a bit icky as opposed to, hey, we're all leaders and we're all both, you know, these uh, individuals, but as a collective, we are, I mean, we're definitely stronger as a collective. I'm curious because you mentioned work-life balance before, and that, of course, is like as soon as a study comes out about work-life balance, then all of a sudden every large corporation is like, we need to talk about work-life balance, right? And I was listening to a talk about four years ago where the guy was talking about how it's actually not about work life balance, it's about work life synergy. Sure. That like you need to look at your life and go, okay, does my work give me energy or take it? Does my home give me energy or take it? And how do I transition or change those things? Because you were saying it's it's not like you're going to go to work for five hours, eight hours or whatever, five hours hours—that's a, people are like, where's this job? But go to work for that time and it suck. And then you come home and you're in this state of bliss. You know, it's, there's, that implies that there's a trade-off between work and life. Yeah. This idea of balance, even in that term. But I love that idea of synergy and, and, you know, if you didn't have a job and you were all life, you wouldn't feel very balanced. And I'm sure, our partners, spouses would be like, get it, get something for sure. you, like, please.
1: And you ultimately would, too. I mean, I think as, as humans, we are wired to continue to create new commitments for ourselves, right? You put us on a desert island, and before you know it, we are coming up with a plan for a boat to get out of there or to make it inhabitable, right? Yeah, true. I, I think, uh, or, you know, you try to get a bunch of money to get individual freedom and immediately the whole world is moving to try and harvest in, in what you've created. Um, I think just as as humans, we're kind of always looking for, for that next thing, um, to some degree, but yeah. How do you
0: harness that? You know, like as a, someone who's why now, after you discovered your why, which my why came from sort of a meltdown, you know, I was older though. I was 27 when that happened, where there's this, life I was creating that I just realized was not the life I wanted. And it was almost at that point where it felt like the snowball was building up too much the momentum Mm -hmm. that I had to get off or else I would take someone else down this life that felt incongruent, which is not fair to another person. And as soon as I asked the one question, like, why am I here? Then that's such a, (laughs) I mean, that's a, a question that then has so many vast potential responses. Who am I? what matters to me? Why am I here? And when you entered that journey of having that conversation with your friend, um, how do you encourage someone to discover that, you know, for you, was it born within, like, how did you, or what do you recommend to people?
1: Yeah. So I think to some degree activity drives the dream right now. So what I mean by that is when I have some kind of, you know, discovery for lack of a better word, a realization, if you will, that there is some incongruency and that I need to make a change. For me, it's about starting to move toward making that change and moving towards being able to learn whether this feels right. You know, and sometimes you'll have different kind of feedback mechanisms to tell you if, if that's kind of the right path. But for me, it was starting to move down that path that started to self-perpetuate that progress and that, uh, that process. So when people have, you know, they're at a job that's been, you know, particularly stale or unfulfilling for a significant period of time or maybe even a relationship, um, starting to do some discovery, do some, you know, work on themselves to uncover where that incongruency is, where they think uh, might be a direction that is more consistent with what they've always been passionate about, particularly if we're talking about work here or vocation and starting to do things that move them in that direction. Now, I understand everyone has uh, real life that they have to build and responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, maybe it's just a a step or two in that direction, but 1% in the right direction is uh, a giant leap versus not making any progress and staying in a life that that isn't consistent with how you want to experience it.
0: That's so true. We start to think about, oh well, if I go in that direction, how do I get to, you know, the thing I and so we stop because we're so terrified of step 5, for sure, as opposed to just seeing you only need step 1. And then they're like, well, if I take the wrong direction, then what? Then I got to start over. No, you gathered information from step 1, so actually a redirection is step 2 and I remember when I wanted to start pursuing teaching and talking about connection and human experience and that stuff. I remember going to this talk with Lisa Nichols, who she was, she's a inspirational speaker was on the secret, the, okay. the movie, the okay. secret. Um, and she said, don't quit your job to pursue your dream. That's actually just irresponsible. <laughs> Cause you know, I had been reading all the other stuff, like just quit it yeah. and go to the Island and burn the boat and all the things which that all sounds really great. Like melt your life down. And of course, if you tell anyone that with kids, they go, but I have kids and I have these. Of course, of course, of course. And she said, instead, a negotiation you can make with a job that you dislike is that you see them now as the investor in your dream, Hmm. that the money you make from them and the time that you use with them, you actually now is investing in your redirection and your construction and that all of a sudden just gave me permission to stay in the job that felt depleting. And it also started to not feel depleting anymore because it gave me purpose every day to go to that experience. That. Yeah, that. it was such an interesting reframe that was very helpful for me, where I was like, you know, someone else might be like, you've got to just quit and go. For sure. It just like made that, because that gave me anxiety.
1: Yeah, it shifted your perspective and made a huge difference, to your, difference for your experience. I mean, something that went from being you know, completely lacking progress now inherently was this platform moving you toward your actual goals. Um, one of the interview questions, uh, not a, the question, will be framed in a number of different ways, but certainly something we try to uncover in some of our first conversations with bringing people on is ultimately trying to find out what they want to do next or on a bigger on a, a you know what personal dreams that they have and how can their work at high tide be in best, you know, support of that ultimately. And I think immediately then you become partners in that process and not just like, uh, certainly not an obstacle, but not even a stepping stone. We are literally partners helping them achieve that. I think, you know, that's just kind of consistent with our overall business is all about personal growth, right? Yeah. So it's, it only makes sense that we do that internally as well. I think you hit on another important point, though, in terms of like beginning and how hard that can sometimes be. And we often overcomplicate what that change needs to be. And I think we have this natural desire to, once we take that next step, we often find out that the change was actually simpler than we thought it was, right? And when we do that, it often you realize that parts of yourself that you've kept uh, gainfully employed for so long are no longer as they don't have the same utility anymore, and that means letting go to a certain part of yourself. Like old parts
0: hard. of yeah, there's a, there's a grief in that and uncertainty because old parts of yourself literally die. Yeah, you know, for sure. I, like I remember when I left being a rap, I cried. Because all of a sudden who I was, it's like, I remember part of my identity was my work. Sure. Like, oh, I'm a pharmaceutical rep. And I know, I'm sure everyone in their head right now is like, oh, fucking pharmaceutical rep. Like, you know, like I'm charismatic, I'm funny. I dress, you know, like I have this car, you know, like that, although I didn't know it was part of how I wanted to be seen when it was no longer how I introduced myself, I had to introduce myself. Sure. You know, and that was such a, I didn't realize that till I experienced it, where it was like, oh, now the real me is actually, this is a vulnerable, what do you do? I talk about relationships. What? Uh, What is that?
1: It's always a, it's a very simple question that really requires you to do some reflection sometimes. Just what do you do? Right. I think both when I stopped playing sports, as well as uh, when I walked away from, you know, construction development company, which in both cases, there was a very serious identity, you know, crisis, if you will. Yeah, right? the certainty Plus. of knowing who
0: you are, but then underneath that, actually not knowing, you know, Definitely. there are actually being a part of you that's like, that's not who I am. But it works. It's so good. We it, like this thing.
1: hundred percent. I mean, it was just a, it was a cloak. I mean, it was a, uh, it was a disguise that I was wearing, I think, in, in both cases to some degree. I think sports may a little bit more aligned with with expressing myself in the way that I wanted to um but the the business for sure was uh just a a disguise at best did
0: your relationships I'm fascinated with that shift you know you came back from Rio you reinvented yourself did your relationships follow suit with the leaving of that
1: uh, you can tell me, if, like, yeah, to, not
0: an okay topic. Oh no, no, yeah. no!
1: It, it took a. It, it, I'm an, um, open book, uh, but it took a little longer. When
0: it <laughs> the relationship. So so. was that relationship? Twenty two year old Evan was that one built more upon the same as the commercial developing Evan?
1: Certainly, yeah, yeah, certainly it was entirely externally derived. It was about what other people thought uh how they viewed the relationship and it appeared exceptionally healthy to everyone who wasn't in the relationship right (laughs) yeah um you know it 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 was only healthy when you know tequila and, and molly was involved in you know talking about the you know it's it dark times. I'm not talking about another girl in this case. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, you know so so it was I, I did a lot of a lot of searching and, and they were great times and I learned a lot yeah, about myself. And it's course. it's extremely important for me to point out that the unfulfilled components of my experience in my life at that time had nothing to do with my employees in that business. And certainly not my romantic partners had everything to do with me,
0: which is true of all of our experiences of, of, you know, I look back and all of my partners have been the best teachers and the experiences with them reflective of me, you know, not, we can, we all dance together. It all takes two. And to say like, no, that was all
1: them. Definitely not yeah and you're just missing the opportunity to actually learn and grow and you know I think it's kind of a wasted experience if if you are projecting the responsibility onto the other partner. again, that just goes back to this extreme ownership type of mentality,
0: which is hard to do when you're in an experience that you feel you're the victim of because extreme ownership then means, that you have to take that hut off, which doesn't dismiss the pain or the struggle of the situation, but it says I'm actually empowered to change this, which that's, as soon as you say, because for me, the most transformative, like one of the most transformative internal value shifts or perspective shifts was everything in my life got here because I said yes to it. Well, then I had to go through every moment until the moment I said that and go, wait, then that means I chose everything in my life that I allowed to stay in my life. And I also chose every behavior I had that I allowed. Sure, And that was like the shame train hit me because then it goes, okay, well, if I said, so I said yes to being treated a certain way. I said yes to not protecting myself. I said yes to numbing. I said yes to, you know, uh, tequila. I never did (laughs) Molly, but tequila, I definitely did. You know, and it's amazing how... When you are, when there is this space between who you are truly and how you express who you are, like what you live and choose, you need tequila. You need Molly. You need because Molly then gives you the gift of what it feels like to be like you're in alignment.
1: Exactly right. Exactly, We're, you're trying to. Hack your way there, if you will, right? Yes, yes, you're getting a moment, which I think it can sometimes offer
0: that glimmer of hope, but we can get lost in the pill to provide it instead of knowing that what it's giving you is a window of what is possible. Exactly, exactly.
1: And yeah, now, fortunately, you know, being having examples of uh, productive work experience and people that you know genuinely fascinated by in a, a really healthy sometimes challenging in all the best ways relationship it shows me that you can achieve those kind of states without you know requiring anything else you know um
0: that's a freaking beautiful place to get to it is, it. is man i it's, didn't know that i could get there either like saying this now 27 year old me you know reading man's search for meaning by victor Frankl asking for the first time why I'm here and yeah. who am I really below what I've been taught, below mark. Yeah. Who am I? To sit here today and be like, it's okay, you're gonna you're gonna be okay. That's such a different and one day you're not gonna need alcohol. Yeah. Man and, and
1: it and it's gonna be a continuous like process. Like this at least for me, I'm certainly not describing a state necessarily or a static state. Uh, this is a no. flowing process yes. that I have to continue to work at. I have to continue to reflect on. I have to continue to incorporate new practices into my life. It is not enough to just know. It's not enough to even just like see it. We have to apply it regularly in our life in order to uh, fully you know, encapsulate and benefit from its value. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. I think this, uh, there's a lot of analogies here and and how important it is. You know, you and I have talked before about it's, it's interesting. We grew up in this kind of system uh, where we learned everything about math and geography and science, but left out these parts about how to be a better human you know, how to so manage up. our emotions and stress, how to express love, how to love yourself, like how to define your values. We're thrust into the world with the ability to do long division, but struggle to have honest conversations with ourselves. Man, you, you can know?
0: solve for X, but you can't solve anything it's with crazy. your things you know? It's a friggin'
1: Well, thanks to you, and it certainly thanks to you and, and other thought leaders like you, the platforms that you guys have created to be able to make this, this knowledge available. I think it's, it's unbelievably important. And what I, and certainly what we were thinking with high tide is we want, I want to take this delivery of content, not just from a place of delivering it to be consumed, but delivering it to be applied. Right. And it's how can we translate this important wisdom into a daily practice that people can have that fundamentally changes how they're approaching themselves and each other, and that's our that's our rallying. And cry you do it differently.
0: Day. So, like, do you want to explain to the people listening how it is done differently? Sure, because it is done differently. It's done very much differently than you know another learning-based platform.
1: Definitely, yeah. So for us, everything. Everything is around how can we take this, you know, we call it wisdom, but uh, learned and earned this knowledge from people like yourself and turn it into a daily practice that people are actually applying in their life, right? So it's a mobile platform that hopefully integrates into your daily experience. And rather than just sending content one way to you for it to be consumed, it's prompting you to engage with it. Right, mm-hmm. it's prompting you to do certain journaling exercises and, or yeah, answer certain questions. Right, of today, what are the actions that you've taken don't serve you, right, or do serve you? All these very beautiful self, moments of
0: self inquiry yeah. that the programs or apps, the app that you have is designed to encourage you to take that moment. Exactly. That without it, you might not, you know, and that becomes this part of your rituals and habits. You likely won't. We all likely won't. That's the truth of being human is it's easier to actually do the inquiry, but it's scarier to, to face truth
1: till... For sure. So I mean, you live it. How many times you watch a motivation video and you're energized by it and you don't actually do anything? Yeah, <laughs> anything you don't write anything down. Like that was great down the so I'm gonna show this on my Instagram. Exactly. Never good. So fortunately, one thing I've always been okay at, and it kind of goes back to the cognitive dissonance thing that we were talking about earlier. I'm not okay just being aware of knowledge by flipping through a book really fast and not doing anything with that knowledge. So I'm okay. Yeah taking three hours to read three pages because I'm sitting there, I'm thinking about how I can apply that knowledge into my life in a, in a very real, uh, tangible way. And what we're trying to do is is speed up that process so people don't have to have a, a book and yeah. take three hours to get through three pages and do it in a very you know thought-provoking way where they have access to in some cases, the experts that have created that content or support systems and coaches and community that they can ultimately engage with. I think what was important to me is I was kind of, you know, because I was there, right? I I was searching for answers in all the classic places, right? Looking for myself in other people's words and thoughts, right? And I got really good at consuming content, but not great at applying it. You know,
0: we're so good at that Mm. learning things, but not actually learning it because it's not applied. Yeah. If it's not applied, it's just a thought.
1: Knowledge in this space has become noise. I mean, it's just kind of, you have all of this great insight and inspiration coming to you. What can you do with it? Like, that's, what's important. And I think especially your, your message and what you are communicating to people. It'd be hard for me to point to something that is more important than your ability to communicate honestly and connect with people and value yourself, your own truth, and be able to find that beautiful connection with other people when you are fully stepping into who it is that you are and not hiding away from it. You know, I mean, I could go on and on
0: about it. Well, how much that... Just that decision alone to align with whatever or to answer the call, to ask the hard questions, to in- choose to invest in yourself in a way that is about investing in engagement, investing in your own engagement. Absolutely. That, that alone is the transcendent sort of invitation to everyone else to do it. As soon as you change you, you change how you interact with other people. And then that's how healing spreads. Just like hurt people, hurt people, heal people, heal people. And that's work is always worth it. It is. It's always worth it. I've it yet to, you know, like listen to a book or read one on the auto. i like to, you know, you and yeah, I would I, yeah. love to one and a half times speed. That's what I. Do. <laughs> <laughs> but I've yet to pick up any book that didn't change, you know, some something on a core level for me. And I sent you that clip that I loved today. Oh, from, I loved it. Yeah, you know, we nerd out on these. Like, I found this clip on a talk from Ram Ram Das that I sent to Evan earlier, and it was saying that. I hope to live with the integrity that the truths that with live within me are manifest in the life outside of me. And I love that because that has always been my goal as to what is coming through me is then in, uh, explicitly expressed in the choices I make. And I, you were saying earlier that the, it's continuous work to become who you are because who you are is always shifting. And I remember hearing Russell Brand say that he learned to allow his identity to be fluid, mm. that he is never attached to any way of who he is so that he can always shift and change as he learns new things. And that I think when we don't try to cling to a belief that we allow beliefs to be wrong, that we allow us to be wrong, that's actually a beautiful thing to know you're wrong. Cause then now you have new knowledge
1: that is freedom. Mm. Yeah. You are, Sam Harris says something similar, but you are not a process or you are not a thing you are a process a process that can change at any time you know what I mean Sam Harris
0: his brain unbelievable
1: I love that guy
0: yeah the way the book uh free will that was one of my favorite books to just think like you will you never know you would do everything someone else does if you traded cell for cell and soul for soul.
1: That's an important, that's a very, very humbling reality. Isn't it?
0: Reality. And he starts that book, by the way, if you don't like reading a lot, it's a short book, but it will change your life. Mm. It is such a good book.
1: Have you read Waking Up? No. Okay. It's it, is it Sam the same Ayers. level of yeah. Um It's one of the best, well, it, I mean, it is one of those game changer books. I've read it, I'll like hit it seven up. times. Oh, seven times. Yeah, like a lot. Okay, yeah, you really that, like That's it. one I got on audio, though. Okay, easier, good, good. Easier. I'm going to hit that one up. <laughs> well,
0: I, having been on your platform and used it to teach, I can give an active moving testimonial <laughs> uh, that there is coaching support like provided so that if you don't have the resources necessarily for yourself... I love with your work there's always learning like you're you're it's not like you provide a service and that's the only service it's like what I love is the open dialogue about what do you need to feel more supported in the creation of your content so for those of you listening if you want to create courses if you want to teach it doesn't it don't stop looking don't reach out to high tide you know there's this awesome opportunity as a teacher to be supported and not have to hire the whole startup team There's actually resources out there for us so that we don't have to become experts in something else by watching 47,000 YouTube videos. You know, I have a friend who's like, oh, I got to build a website. So I've been doing it for 13 hours a day. And I was like, just pay somebody. (laughs) Like, just pay somebody so you can use your creative energy.
1: Amen.
0: And, you know, I remember reading that if you can pay anyone else less than you make per hour to do something, that offloads you into your genius and of course i had to do everything when i first started same but all these services were not available when i
1: started <laughs> interestingly enough my dad i'm pretty sure used that exact same quote ironically uh to me as a kid growing up now of course my time was worth very little at, at that point but yeah,
0: mine was too actually
1: <laughs> it was a principle that that he kind of instilled in me. It, you know to do exactly that, to be able to empower other people, or employ in some cases, yeah, um, to allow you to have the time to, you know, engage whatever your your higher purpose is, if you will. Instead of
0: seeing that we're we we do not want to pay someone else to do this job, we forget that that is actually likely their area of genius. Oh yeah, so they actually so get fulfillment from doing the thing, so you can then get fulfillment from doing your thing. Like I don't like spreadsheets. To someone else, spreadsheets are like crack, you know, like it's their favorite thing ever. I have no idea how that's possible because my mind doesn't see the world that way. But someone else does and they think I'm crazy. So that's perfect. And who are you to keep them from doing it? From loving a spreadsheet. I've seen people get so excited about a formula.
1: There are three people upstairs that that just uh, love that way. Um, Well, my friend, where can people find you? Oh, thank you, man. Uh, they can find me on Instagram, of course, uh, at Evan Shy. Um And, of course, they can learn more about High Tide
0: uh, at Hightide
1: or Hightide.com.
0: Bam. My friend, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom and for sharing all of you and doing what you do. Just that commitment to staying in your truth and, and living it is, I mean, I'm sure everyone can feel it just through the words that you spoke. So. Thank you for being here. I
1: appreciate that, brother. I can't thank you enough for a friendship, partnership, uh, this opportunity. I can't help but feel a sense of responsibility and, and gratitude for the partnership that we have and being able to impact other people, I hope. So I, I hope we can continue this man.
0: Me too. Thank you, sir. Thanks, buddy.